this is the end of um, this epic book of Isaiah, this um, uh, remarkable and dramatic work of um, a narrative and prophecy and vision. Um, and um, I want us to, right at the end of this, to reflect on um, what we've learned from it. Um, now, if you were to ask me what my favourite film was, uh, I would probably automatically say Star Wars. Um, I saw it when I was five years old in 1977, and um, it's, uh, I've seen it many times since then, and it's stayed with me my whole life. It's a great story, and I love it. But um, it's probably not the film which has um, uh, affected me the most. And I think cinema, which affects people, um, uh, is uh, uh, an amazing thing, a really powerful thing. I don't know if you saw the film um, Schindler's List when it was on at the cinema, but um, uh, it's a remarkable film. And one of the things that I remember most was the entire cinema leaving in silence and walking uh, away down the street, not talking to anyone. Um, it had affected them that much. Um, it happened again recently with a film called um, The Lives of Others, um, uh, which is a beautiful and remarkable piece of work, but deeply affecting. Um, other films which I found... Uh, have affected me. Uh, recently I watched um, uh, Blood Diamond and uh, if you haven't seen it I'd really highly recommend it. It's, um, uh, it's a great action film but actually under the surface is uh, a theme of um, violence and injustice which I uh, found myself really shaken by so much so that I went straight to the uh, Oxfam website to, to look for jobs in West Africa. Didn't find anything but I'm still here. Um, but that was a film which just shook me and um, uh, fired me up to want to do something about uh, these sort of issues. And so here at the end of this uh, beautiful, remarkable book of Isaiah, um, I find myself caught between those two responses. Um, on one hand, I am uh, slightly overawed by what we've encountered here, by the scale and the scope of it and the, the challenge of it. I find myself wanting to walk away in silence. Uh, and yet at the same time I find myself um, uh, deeply motivated by it and uh, challenged about my apathy and my uh, lack of concern for the issues that um, Isaiah has raised. It's been said that um, Isaiah is the Romans of the Old Testament and by that people mean that it's um, uh, the, the most formative, uh, influential uh, work of theology in the Old Testament in the way that Romans is in the New Testament. Um, I'm not sure I agree with that interpretation of Romans, actually, but uh, I, I accept the point that uh, Isaiah is absolutely foundational for uh, our theology and for our understanding of the New Testament and of the Gospel. It, um, it's quoted 66 times in uh, uh, the, those New Testament books. Only the Psalms are, are quoted more. And it's uh, quoted at some of the, the key moments in um, in the New Testament. There is um, a, a remarkable phrase in John's Gospel um, uh, as John is wrestling with the reality of um, Jesus being rejected by people and he goes through a whole series of quotes from Isaiah in uh, uh, John chapter 12 and um, then at the end of it he, he says this, he says um, in John 12, 41 um, that Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke of him. Uh, John realised that what Jesus had, what Isaiah had seen throughout the course of his ministry was the glory of Jesus and uh, seeing events ahead of time revealed to him by God. Isaiah had seen Jesus 
and uh, what his life and ministry would look like and uh, had written about it. So I don't want us to underestimate how critically important this book is. But at the same time, uh, we have only begun to scratch the surface of this. Uh, I think we've done uh, 12 sermons over the course of the last three months. And I hope you feel like you've got a better flavour of um, Isaiah. But uh, uh, the reason I want to walk away in silence is because uh, I don't feel like I've even started. Um, And um, I feel like I've got so much more work to do. But hopefully what this series has done is to, um, uh, 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 to show you the importance of this book and to give you some framework uh, to understand it better. We're going to finish by looking at the final two chapters of um, uh, Isaiah, chapters 65 and 66, and it would be well worth just taking a moment to, um, uh, uh, to read through them. Um, they are uh, Isaiah's conclusion and... Um, Uh, They lay out something of the framework which has been established by um, the book as a whole. Remember that this is the story of the decline and fall of a once great nation. And um, on so many levels, it's uh, God's judgment revealed upon his own people. And um, there are people who are without excuse. Uh, Chapter 65, verse 1, says this of God. He says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, here I am, here I am. This people of God are uh, without excuse. They have no uh, right to call on God. They have no uh, justification that they are somehow loyal to him. Uh, Even from the very beginning, it was God's initiative who called them to himself. It was he who acted to make them his people. And um, uh, their uh, rejection of his generosity, of his uh, uh, love for them, is uh, one of the great themes of this book of Isaiah. And so how much more at the end of this story, after this ministry of Isaiah, his uh, prophetic word spoken to this nation, spoken at the highest levels to kings and rulers and proclaimed to all people, how much more are they without excuse? And... um, So where we end up is with a picture of a a, a chilling judgment on them. And uh, 65 verse 12 says, I will destine you for the sword, and you will all bend down for the slaughter. For I called you, but you did not answer. I spoke, but you did not listen. You did evil in my sight and chose what displeases me. And um, the final verse of this book of Isaiah is um, perhaps even more chilling. Uh, chapter 66 uh, verse 24 it speaks of people going out and looking upon the dead bodies of those who rebelled against the Lord and their worm will not die nor will their fire be quenched and they will be loathsome to all mankind those are the sort of uh, uncomfortable pictures of God's judgment that um, that perhaps we don't always know what to do with Um, but uh, that is part of what the justice that God uh, uh, loves so dearly and uh, has um, worked so extensively to bring upon the earth and it means that those who after all turn their back on God who continue um, to uh, do evil and um, uh, 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 to serve only themselves um, uh, the justice which God brings upon them um, is uh, um, uh, final but um, that's not the whole picture And uh, throughout this book of Isaiah has been 
um, uh, amazing pictures of grace and mercy. And uh, even that final verse, uh, 24 in chapter 66, is set in the context of uh, remarkable hope. And uh, we're going to be looking uh, at that hope now. Uh, turn back to chapter 65 and um, verse 8. And uh, it says, this is what the Lord says. As when juice is still found in a cluster of grapes, and men say, don't destroy it, there is yet some good in it. So I will do in, on behalf of my servants. I will not destroy them all. And um, uh, that has been this theme throughout Isaiah of a, a remnant people, of the faithful ones who are, uh, are called to God and are kept safe through all of the um, uh, judgment which is unleashed on uh, Israel. Um, they are a precious people and uh, they are faithful to God uh, and gathered around this person Isaiah and um, uh, that theme will continue all the way into the New Testament. Um, but uh, that idea of a, a tiny minority group um, uh, is um, challenged here in uh, this chapter as it has been throughout Isaiah because uh, they will be delighted to realise that they are not alone and that God's plan is not simply for them. Uh, certainly one of my concerns is that we spend too much time imagining that we're the remnants and uh, missing this bigger picture. And that's been one of the amazing things about Isaiah is to uh, set uh, our relationship with God in the context of a much bigger picture. So it begins in uh, verse 9 where uh, God says, um, I will bring forth descendants from Jacob and from Judah, those who will possess my mountains, my chosen people when, will inherit them that um, uh, the remnant will be um, uh, uh, reinforced by people from uh, these uh, uh, parts of the nation which have been overrun and um, uh, the, 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 their numbers will swell. But that is only the beginning. Uh, verse 18 of chapter 66 says this, And I, the Lord, because of their actions and their imaginations, uh, because of the actions and imaginations of these remnant people, I think that's a, a lovely phrase, um, because of the actions and imaginations of this uh, remnant people, I am about to come and gather all nations and tongues, and they will come and see my glory. And it continues in uh, verse twenties with uh, verse, in verse twenty with a, a, a quite remarkable phrase, um, uh, and it says, um, "And they will bring all your brothers from all the nations to my holy mountain in Jerusalem as an offering to the Lord." Um, that uh, this uh, gathering in of um, uh, people from every tribe and tongue and nation uh, is the gathering in of uh, your brothers. The, uh, the remnant people are not alone. They have um, uh, brothers and sisters throughout the world, those who uh, uh, respond to God's call. And um, what is it that this numberless people from every tribe and tongue are called to? Uh, well, it's not some uh, cliched picture of heaven. There are no clouds or angels with harps here, uh, uh, nor is it some um, uh, uh, everlasting charismatic praise event, which is uh, a relief to some of you, I know. Um, uh, the picture is painted in um, uh, chapter 65, verse 17, and it says this. Behold, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, for they will not come to mind. Does that sound familiar? It should do. That is um, the imagery which concludes uh, the New Testament too. That's, um, that's the book of Revelation. And uh, John uh, is quoting Isaiah as um, uh, he recognises that God's intention 
for the whole of creation is that it will be renewed. There will be not only a new heaven, but a new earth. And um, God's intention for these people who he will gather to himself is that they will fill um, a, a, a new earth. And it won't be an earth like the old one. Sure, it will have all um, uh, of the beauty and the wonder of this world, but it will be without uh, uh, the things which make uh, life so difficult. Verse um, 20 says, uh, Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. He who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth, and he who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. Um, that doesn't sit with the images of heaven which I've received. Um, that is uh, uh, an earth very much like this one, yet without the curse, without the suffering that, um, that we experience in this one. Verse 21, they will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruits. No longer will they build houses and other people live in, him, in them. That's what had happened to the people in, um, uh, in Israel. They'd invested in their land and then other people had come and taken over. They'd been overrun by, um, uh, uh, by their enemies. Uh, no longer uh, will people uh, not get the things that they work for. Verse 23 says they will not toil in vain or, or bear children doomed to misfortune. Uh, verse 19, the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. This is God's purpose for humanity and for creation. This is what um, the cross uh, seeks to achieve. And this is what the kingdom of God is building. And so throughout this series, we've been asking those um, three questions in order to try and understand things. We've been asking, um, firstly, the question, what do, um, what do these passages say about the character of God? So throughout this book, we've been confronted with um, uh, two themes about the character of God. Um, the two themes, one of God's judgment on uh, injustice and unrighteousness, and secondly, God's uh, love of mercy and uh, the constant pictures of hope and grace which God portrays. Um, but we realised uh, a couple of weeks ago that actually those aren't two separate themes. They are two inherently linked themes. Um, we discovered that the New Testament word which we use for righteousness actually also means justice. And um, the character of God is not two uh, uh, separate traits. Um, justice and mercy aren't two uh, different things. Um, that uh, these characteristics which perhaps we find uh, hard to, to, to marry uh, are, are both deeply connected in the character of God. And he will bring justice both through uh, acts of mercy and through acts of judgment. And um, those two things are, are, are presented both to us. Um, uh, although it's really very important to recognise that preeminent in those things is God's mercy. That he will act first and foremost out of love. But if that love is spurned, uh, he will act in judgment. The second question was, uh, what does it mean to be the people of God? And um, uh, um, one of the answers to it is repeated here um, in uh, uh, verse 3 of uh, chapter 66. Um, Isaiah writes, uh, This is the one I esteem. 
He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Uh, those people were uh, in contrast to uh, the religious people of um, Israel, the, the, the people busy with all of their religious activity, with their prayers and their sacrifices and their worship, but who were not humble and contrite in spirit and who did not tremble at um, God's word. All three of those phrases are about being um, people who are focused upon God rather than upon ourselves and uh, if you remember that was um, that was the original sin it was um, the sin of Adam and Eve who um, who wanted to be like God they wanted um, uh, all of this knowledge for themselves and uh, what does it mean to be the people of God well most fundamentally and this is true not just for Isaiah but for the whole scope of scripture it's to be people who are willing to put God first instead of themselves to be humble um, uh, to not think too highly of ourselves to um, uh, worry first about God and then about our neighbour and then about ourselves. To be contrite, which means um, to recognise our sin, to recognise where we've gone wrong, uh, to be willing to apologise and to put things right. And uh, thirdly, uh, to tremble at the word of God. Tremble uh, doesn't necessarily mean to be uh, deeply afraid, but that uh, when God speaks, we listen and we take it seriously. Um, because it is the voice of God. And the third question is, um, what does it mean to be the people of God? And um, I think I want us to learn from the remnant in this um, uh, book of Isaiah, because they are uh, a model to us of what it means to be uh, faithful people in the midst of suffering, faithful people caught up in the grand scheme of God, um, uh, often which is a, a terrifying process, and yet they remain faithful throughout but um, the thing which surprised them um, uh, uh, ought not to surprise us um, because actually we are part of the surprise that what God is doing, what God's purpose is, is through um, uh, this whole process is that he is going to bring people in from uh, every tribe and tongue and nation and he is going to make a new people of God and uh, we are caught up in that plan and that uh, we gather um, in the New Jerusalem uh, with uh, that faithful remnant from the time of Isaiah, with uh, all faithful people, um, and uh, uh, we uh, become part of this uh, new creation, this place where there is no more tears, uh, no more suffering, and no more injustice. So this is the hope that Isaiah lays before us. This is the grand scheme of God, which uh, he has painted in um, a beautiful uh, language, uh, for us to uh, uh, hold on to, to dream about and to hope for. But um, the final conclusion that I want us to uh, uh, take from Isaiah isn't so much a conclusion as a question. And it's this. Having had um, the character of God laid out um, before us through this book of Isaiah, having understood more of who he is, um, what he cares about, and uh, his purposes for humanity and for the whole of creation. What is our response? Remember those um, two responses I talked about earlier? Uh, two great films. Um, the first was to uh, walk away in silence. And um, uh, to some extent, that's a, a valid response to Isaiah. This is um, uh, an awesome picture of um, the world. And um, uh, we should find ourselves slightly breathless when confronted by this. Uh, silence is... Um, 
uh, not a failure to react, but a, a need to uh, reflect and to take things in, to allow these images to seep into our minds and our hearts. But the second response is to find ourselves deeply challenged by uh, these images. And I think the time needs to come when we allow that to happen, that we need to allow ourselves to be uh, shaken from our apathy, shaken from uh, the tendency to think that um, uh, uh, there's nothing we can do about the world that we're part of. Um, uh, that's not God's response. God's response is to step into the midst of all of the conflict and injustice of the world and um, uh, to, to take it upon himself to bring justice and righteousness. We have um, already recognised that um, this uh, picture is not um, uh, simply a, a picture for the future. It's not something that we need to, to, to just hold on and wait for the day when it happens. That the kingdom of God announced by Jesus is the beginning of um, uh, uh, this, this becoming a reality. And uh, that we as the New Testament people of God, people um, uh, filled with the spirit of God, um, are, are empowered and, and commanded to go forth into the world uh, reflecting the character of God. Um, this means um, proclamation. It means to uh, do the work of uh, uh, speaking out about the character of God, uh, both in terms of the good news of um, uh, uh, Jesus and uh, the hope of salvation, but also in terms of God's uh, 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 love for uh, justice and mercy, um, that the way that we live our lives um, should reflect who God is and what he's made us to be, and it should reflect the kingdom which he is building uh, amongst us and around us. But we need to be those also who care about the things that God cares about. Remember those verses, uh, it says, this is the one I esteem, the one who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Um, one of the things that we need to learn from Isaiah is that uh, uh, um, the process of engaging with God's word is one which will challenge us and um, uh, change the way that we are. Um, uh, to be contrite means, means to recognise where, where, where we're wrong. And I hope that Isaiah has shown us places uh, that we're wrong. Uh, we have great weaknesses, partly to do with uh, the, the place that we live and the culture that we're part of. Great weaknesses about being um, uh, selfish about uh, caring far more about ourselves and our own than uh, those um, who we don't know. Uh, we care far more for uh, the good of our friends and our family than we do about people overseas. Um, and there is this really uncomfortable um, uh, theme that runs throughout the book of Isaiah that um, religion is simply uh, worthless. Um, if all it is <coughs> is um, uh, and acting out of the things that we think we should do. Um, and that was uh, focused on that Old Testament uh, religion, but uh, it needs to be a profound challenge to our New Testament Christianity, that if all we do um, is uh, sing our songs and listen to our sermons, and uh, these things never change who we are, and the way that we live our life, and the way that we expect our families and our communities and our society and our world um, uh, to function, then it is worthless. 
Now, we need to be really careful of a, a new kind of arrogance, uh, uh, an arrogance which uh, makes us think that we are going to uh, change the world by ourselves. Um, there is uh, a verse at the beginning of chapter 66 which says this, and this is what the Lord says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. So where is the house that you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all of these things? And so they came into being. Um, the, 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 the great danger for um, the, the remnant people was that they uh, thought that what God was calling them to do was to build a new temple for him. And um, of course that temple was really important, but um, uh, uh, it, it was not something that God needed them to do. It wasn't that he was somehow lacking. And it certainly wasn't that kind of mechanism that we often want to fall into, which is the what can I do for God? What can I do um, uh, to, to, to make myself righteous? But no, that's not the motivation for being uh, challenged to action. Uh, ultimately, our lives and our actions and what we set about trying to achieve is done because um, uh, God is already doing it. We are participating in the kingdom of God. And um, uh, these actions are prophetic. What they do is they speak of who God is. And uh, by his spirit, um, uh, he makes of them something which uh, honours him. And uh, it is his uh, graciousness that uh, he chooses to incorporate our actions into his purposes. Um, he chooses to build his kingdom through his people. So um, there we are, at the end of this um, uh, awesome book of Isaiah. Uh, let us uh, uh, um, both be uh, shocked into silence as uh, we uh, uh, grasp something of the magnitude of God, of his character and of his purposes. But at the right time, let us also be challenged to action, that we are, are, are called to participate in the building of this kingdom of God in the building of this new world where there is no more suffering or injustice, no more violence or oppression, where um, uh, peace reigns and every tear is wiped away.